Grand Rising, everyone. Welcome to Rose Empress Speaks. I know it's been long time, no talk. It's been about two weeks uh, since I last posted. And the first week that I didn't post was intentional because I was preparing for um, the upcoming Spoken Word Sundays. So that was intentional. However, the second week was not intentional. Your girl had the stomach virus and I was down bad, like real bad. Stomach hurting, head hurting, and everything else that comes with having the stomach virus. <laughs> Being dehydrated and all of that stuff. So yeah that happened however i am back and i am so happy to be back with you all and i hope that you enjoy this episode i hope that it is insightful and i hope that you share it with whomever you feel needs to hear it so let's jump into our topic of the day Now, our topic of the day today is going to be the paths to your purpose. And something that I've noticed um, since starting my podcast is that anytime that I come up with a topic for an episode, there are certain situations or circumstances that will occur leading up to me recording the podcast episode that are in direct alignment with what I happen to be talking about um, that week or and or um, there will be situations and circumstances that occur after I post the episode that are in direct alignment um, with the topic. So with this particular topic, um, a lot of you all may not know the ones that are close to me that listen to the podcast do know um, I left my full-time job as a community inclusion specialist back in September of 2022 so I have been in like full entrepreneur status independent contractor status since September 9th of 2022 and let me just say that this has been the hardest (laughs) eight months financially for me that I've ever experienced however it taught me a whole lot it taught me gratitude it taught me resilience it taught me faith right it taught me so much and I am so very grateful for this time this downtime that I've had um because your girl will actually be working full-time again as a community inclusion specialist hopefully starting this month and when I left my full-time job back in September it wasn't anything to do with the work that I was doing or the job like the people that I work with in the organization it really had nothing to do with that I loved my job like I'm going to be completely honest with you that was the best job that I had ever had. Like, 
I'm talking about from management higher ups down to my colleagues down to the work that I was doing like it was literally the best job that I ever had however when you are working in a field where you have to show empathy all of the time like your day-to-day -day job requires you to show empathy and then in your personal life you are typically the person that people come to and so you show empathy in that way and then you try to show empathy to yourself like it can lead to extreme burnout and so it had gotten to a point where I was just really just burnt out and not only was I burnt out I had personal issues going on that I feel like were clouding my ability to do my very best in that position and I was also led to leave that position at that time so everything happened exactly the way it was supposed to it was a season that I had to go through so that I could be prepared to come back to my position and do my very best and I will say that I am very blessed and highly favored because there are not too many people that can leave a job and then come back eight months later with no issue. When I say that my job accepted me back with open arms, like they literally accepted me back with open arms. They said, we would love to have you back. And I met with them last week and they just spoke so much life into me and they showed me how valuable I am to them like they showed me and they told me how much of an asset I was and I still am to them and that really really made my heart smile because I'm gonna be honest like I didn't want to reach back out to them because I reached out to them they didn't reach out to me because I was like I think I'm ready to go back I had a conversation um, with someone close to me and that was like you should yeah you should definitely reach out and I hadn't reached out prior because when I left that job I told them that I was gonna be doing like big things you know going into business for myself this and that this and that and I'm still very much so an entrepreneur is still very much a black owned small business however I will also be working full-time so yeah this the way things happen right the paths to your purpose and I say paths because it is multiple paths like the paths to your purpose they are there to teach you something whichever path that you decide to take whether it is the path with the least resistance or the path with the most each path is going to teach you something and build something in you whether it is building your resiliency whether it is building your skill set whatever it may be it is a source of learning and me personally my path to my purpose has been full of like wines and peaks and valleys and forks in the road like if if I were to sit here and just explain to you from I guess like from point A to now it's gonna sound like I was all over the place and that's because I kind of was I really was I was kind of all over the place um and I'll just I guess I'll do a little story time so 
when I was a kid, I knew when I grew up, I wanted to be like a police officer or I wanted to do crime scene investigation. Like I was really into shows like Law and Order and CSI and Criminal Minds. I love those shows. So that's where my, you know, want to be in those fields came from. Um, and so when I was in high school, um, when it came time for my senior year, at that point, I had decided to go with crime scene investigation because I went to a law and CSI youth forum in nor somewhere in Northern Virginia, but I knew they took us to D.C. They took us to the museums in D.C. Um, so we weren't that far from D.C., but we weren't the hotel that we were staying in wasn't exactly in D.C. It was like on the outskirts somewhere in Northern Virginia. And so doing that forum and like being exposed to like I literally remember how excited I was to be at this forum because I got to meet so many different people and I got to go places that I had never been like I had never been to the museums in DC and I am a museum lover like I love museums I love art like I'm just I'm that girl so I was so excited and then we got to walk around um because we we went somewhere and we could like walk around and get food but it's only like so far we could go we couldn't go too too far but just being able to walk around out there with people that I had become like friends with because we were in the same groups, it was just, it was an amazing experience. And when I was at that forum, I ended up earning college credits for George Mason University. And so I ended up deciding that I wanted to go there because they had a forensic science program. Now there was only one school at the time, because um, I graduated in 2014, so it was only one school at that time that had the forensic science program um, in North Carolina, and that was Fayetteville State University, and I honestly didn't want to go there. I didn't. So I went to Virginia. I went to Fairfax, Virginia. And it's so crazy because I literally, I was 16 years old, going to college in a whole other state, four to five hours, depending on traffic, away from home. It was crazy. It was, it was crazy. Mm -mm. It was crazy. So I get there. Um, I make friends or whatever. Things are cool-ish. I'm going to my classes and I'm realizing like I don't I don't like my classes. If you are a forensic science major, that means that your courses are going to be predominantly science-based. Like you're going to have to take a whole lot of science classes because your major is forensic science. So you have to know the basics um, and the complexities of chemistry and biology and physics and all that stuff. Honey child, I hated it. <laughs> I hated chemistry. Like I did well in chemistry in high school. However... For some reason, that college chemistry was different, and I, I also feel like I just wasn't focused. Like, I was in a whole other place. I didn't have, like, 
anybody telling me what to do think about it when you go to college nobody tells you what to do nobody is going to make you go to class um nobody is going to make you be at your dorm at a certain time like you pretty much are an adult so you do what you want to do and I was 16 doing what I wanted to do so my focus was whole other I went from being um a honor student came out of came out of high school with multiple honors right to going off to college and tanking my first year of college I tanked it like it was my grades were bad they were real bad I was binge drinking like I was not in a good space and I was being manipulated by somebody that was like five six years older than me there was no reason why I as a 16 year old should have been trying to talk to or date a 22 23 year old that should have never happened but I was and that played a part in why things were not going well for me like why my focus where it wasn't where it should have been along with other traumas and stuff that I had faced that were starting to surface like I was drinking every weekend to manage my emotions and manage my feelings and so the first time I ever had a drink was when I was 16 so I honestly became dependent on alcohol I became like an alcoholic for real for real it was a lot of times that I would drink and I would black out way too many times than like it should have been because okay some you you get a little too lit you might black out okay I'm not gonna do that again me no it's like it's like in a sense I wanted to black out like that that was the that was the level that I was trying to get to because I, I knew if I blacked out I wouldn't remember anything and you know how messed up you have to be feeling to want to black out like you that's your desire to lose time that's crazy as a 16 17 year old that is that is that's crazy was was what happened or what was going on for you to want to feel like that and why did you feel like you didn't have any better outlets because I didn't I wasn't taught any other coping strategies for when I was overwhelmed with stress or dealing with boys and boys being how they are or dealing with an older guy that you you shouldn't even be talking to like that shouldn't even be a thing but what's crazy is I didn't see anything wrong with it because when I first started high school I was 12 and I had 18 year olds trying to talk to me when I was 12 and everybody knew that I was 12 it was a topic like you so young how you get here so it wasn't so it it was it wasn't weird to me because I had already experienced that predatory behavior before so it became a normal I was dating someone when I was 13 and that person was 18. 
and looking back i'm like yo that's crazy you're a whole predator something is wrong with you why do you even have interest in a 12 year old bro i don't care if i am in high school bro you know how old i am that is weird something is wrong with you but me being 12 only been in public school at this point because I, I started going to public school halfway through my eighth grade year. I skipped the seventh grade. So I went from sixth grade to eighth grade. At that point, I had only been in high school or only been in public schools for like maybe a year and a half, two years. All of this is new to me, bro. I'm learning how to navigate. I'm learning I'm learning how to navigate. And in my young mind, oh, I must be that girl because ooh, the seniors want to talk to me. No, girl, no. That's that's not what it is. They want to manipulate you. They know that you are young, they know that you are impressionable and they want to manipulate you. Also, you developed early, so you 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 got up here and down here you get me and that's some scary stuff bro that's some scary stuff so yeah all of that and then being in college so my major was forensic science I ended up changing my major to psychology and I changed my major to psychology because like I said I could not stand science some science classes I wasn't going um so I had to do something else and let me just say that tuition at this school was $45,000 per year for an out-of-state student. And you got the nerve to be up there not doing well? Come home. Come home. It's time to come home. Ain't you changing your major? The only reason why you was going there because that was the only school that had the major that you wanted. Since you changed your major, yeah, come home. And that's exactly how it happened. I went home. So while I was in school in Virginia, um, before I left for school, I had started working at Food Lion. And so they still had me in the system. But I think with students or what they used to do with students is they'll keep you in the system, but they just won't put you on the schedule until you call them on like your breaks or you know like summer break winter break unless you call them and be like hey can you put me on the schedule so I, I had a job so I was working when I came back to North Carolina I was working at Food Lion and I was going to um, the community college back home and what I did there I just did all of my uh, general ed courses and got those out the way and then I started working at the bookstore as well. So not only was I working at Food Lion, I was also working at the book school at the bookstore and I was doing my classes. So I went to that community college from August of 2017. Oh no, that's completely wrong. August of 2015 to December of 2018. Be I said 2018, Jesus. From August 2015 
to December 2016 and I ended up transferring to uh, a university in Charlotte in January of 2017. Well, actually, the process got started in December of 2016, but I didn't actually start classes until January of 2017. So when I was at um, the university in Charlotte, within my first two to three months living there and living in my own apartment by myself, I was sexually assaulted in my apartment complex. And um, that was, that took a toll on me for a long time. Like, for a long time. I just started, I can say, truly healing from that situation um, in like 2021. Which is from 20, from 2017 to 2021. Along with like childhood traumas and stuff like, yeah. So it's like before I can even really get into my classes at that university, I experienced that trauma and I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't show up. As how I wanted to show up because when I was at the community college back home I was excelling in my classes like I was accustomed to like I've always done really well in school obviously for me to skip the seventh grade I had to be doing pretty well like I was I was really good at coursework I was really good at grasping and understanding information like I had a lot of knowledge however what I had in knowledge I liked in wisdom and I had to go through certain situations and circumstances to build my wisdom and build my resiliency and it's crazy it's like okay I think about it like this you may have knowledge along your paths right However, you may lack wisdom and discernment on which path will have the least resistance. So because you lack that wisdom, you take the path with the most resistance and it teaches you the wisdom or how to utilize your wisdom that you lacked to choose the other path, if that makes sense. So, yeah, that happened um, at you at U the university in Charlotte. I majored in psychology, and I wanted to double major. So I wanted to do psychology, and I wanted to do social work. I ended up taking a few social work classes summer of 2017, and I aced my classes. Um, but my mental health was like really just declining. It was. And around that time, the summer of 2017 is when I started working for um, an after school program where we taught kids in low income areas or impoverished areas. It was, um, we taught them social and emotion, emotional skills. So self awareness, social awareness, emotional intelligence, like 
that was what the program was about but it was also like yes it was about teaching the kids these skills so that they could utilize it not only in the program but also in school and the world however it was also like a form of after school care for parents who could not afford after school care so if the kids get out of school at like two or three o'clock but the parents don't get off till five if it wasn't for the program these kids would probably be at home by themselves and there were certain situations and circumstances where some of the kids even when program ended at six we would walk them home because they didn't live too far from the school and they would still be home by themselves because their parents didn't get off till way later or sometimes their parents just wasn't there some of the kids that went to this program they were homeless so they lived in the homeless shelter program ends at six the homeless shelter doesn't open till seven so if it wasn't for the program they would have to find things to do or find some type of way to kill time until the shelter opened also they probably would not have food in that in that time span so at the program we provided the kids like so once they got there they had their their snack or like a little lunch like an after school lunch and then before they left they got a snack so yeah these these some of these children would not more than likely have eaten so this program provided a lot of great resources to these children who would other not otherwise not have any resources and what working at that particular job showed me like even and it's crazy because even though I was going through my own stuff even though I was severely depressed and I was dealing with the after effects of sexual trauma I still like the only reason why I would even get up out of bed was to go to work because I wanted to show up for the kids and I wanted to be around my co-workers because some of my co-workers had become had become my friends and the type of support and like sisterhood that they provided me with it was it was unmatched It was truly unmatched. It's like that was something that up until that point in the way that they they showed up and the way that they poured into me and the way that they spoke life into me. One of my friends even had me going to church with her. It was it was it was unmatched sisterhood. It was. And it was exactly what I needed when I needed it to help me keep moving forward because I'm going to be completely honest if it had not been for me working at the after school program and me being absolutely alone like or feeling like completely alone because I was I live by myself so I was alone my family like my immediate family they lived four hours away back home and my cousin, she lived down the street, 
well it was more than down the street she probably stayed about 20 to 30 minutes away and it was just like i just with everything that i was dealing with at that time 20 to 30 minutes away felt like forever away so yeah they were they were my support system in that time they really showed up and showed out for your girl like in that time we showed up and showed out for each other like one of my friends i went to her house pretty frequently because we all lived like right off of campus so it was nothing to go to her apartment and just be in her apartment for hours that kept my mind off of what i was dealing with and what i was going through but they also created a safe space for me to be able to talk about the things that i was experiencing and the things that i was going through at the time i was dating the 20 something year old that i was talking to when i was 16 yeah i was me and him ended up i i literally dealt with that man from the age of 16 to the age of 20. So yeah, he was still around. However, he was not a good support system like for what I had experienced and the after effects of that experience. Like he just wasn't. He wasn't a good support system. Um he actually was like victim blaming and stuff. So it was just like it was it was a bad situation. And I'll talk more about that whole experience in a different episode because I feel like it's very important for girls, especially girls that have experienced like childhood traumas and things like that and how you can become hypersexual and just really like not really aware. I want to share that story because looking back on it and I've been like looking back on it here and there for like a couple years now it was just so strange and it was so weird and it shouldn't like that that should not have happened I should not have been with that person with the age gap that there was and when we started dealing like there was no reason why I should have been with that person and that's a a big part of the reason why I suffered with um low self-esteem lack of confidence like experiencing manipulation like all of that emotional manipulation like narcissistic behaviors like yeah mm -mm. it was bad and you're thinking like oh well he's dealing with me because I'm very mature no he's dealing with you because he know you're not mature enough to understand certain things so it's a lot easier for him to get one over on you he's not dating women his age because they see through his BS it's plain and simple don't think that you were chosen cause yeah you were chosen but not for the reason that you think you were chosen not for the good you were chosen for the bad for their benefit only period that's it
so I ended up leaving Charlotte in March of 2018 or April of 2018 and I moved to Virginia with that guy and that was a bad idea like it just was it was a bad idea it it shouldn't happen at the same time it was a bad idea but it was a part of the paths to my purpose because when I moved there I started working with children on the autism spectrum so it was like okay I got a little little taste a little step into like the field of like social services now I'm getting the taste in the field of mental health and so I was a behavior therapist and I practiced um, applied behavior analysis so I worked with children between the ages of 6 and 18 and some of my kids were verbal and some of my kids were nonverbal so a lot of times with my kids that were nonverbal we worked on communication and like being able to identify people um identify objects identify letters number things of that nature like it sounds really basic however when you are on the the more extreme end of the autism spectrum it's a lot more developmental delays so I learned a lot from that experience like it was it was very rewarding however it was also very like physically mentally and emotionally taxing because when you are dealing with children who have developmental disabilities there is um the aggression the aggression can be like intense it can be it can be intense and when i say aggression i mean hitting kicking biting um like pulling out your hair like yeah it gets real if they get upset and depending on how how big of a kid you're dealing with, it can go down. It had it had went down a few times in that particular office that I was working in, because not only did they have um, kids who came in there as like a part of their prescribed therapy, because in order to get ABA therapy, that is a prescription. You have to go to a doctor for that, so it's covered under insurance. That is prescribed therapy so they would get prescribed okay you need to take your child to an ABA therapist for uh, three to four hours um, five days a week or you need to take your child to ABA therapy two hours three times a week or whatever the case may be or you need to have therapy in home because with ABA therapy you can either have in office therapy so in the office it's literally it's a, a office made for kids they have a sensory room with different um toys and stuff the kids can play with they also have another sensory room with like blocks and stuff they have another sensory room that holds more toys but also has like a wii in there so you can play the wii with kids so it was um along with of course offices for the different administrative people and the higher-ups and stuff in the office that is how the building was set up so you can have 
in-office therapy or you can have in-home therapy. I did both. So I worked with kids in the office and I also would go to their homes and, you know, work with them inside. And if it was okay with the parents, depending on the child's, um, I guess, ability level, we would also spend time outside. And like, let, let's talk about this, okay? So not only can you do like experience aggression, there will be times where you experience uh, the kid doing self-injurious behavior. So that means that they are hitting themselves, pinching, things, pinching themselves, um, whatever the case may be, anything to injure themselves. That's what they are. That's the behavior that they're engaging in. Or they engage in pica, which means that they are trying to eat inedible objects. Another thing that they can deal with is elopement behavior. So that means that they will run. <laughs> like it, it means they will run okay and you have to be in that type of job especially when you are working at their home and the parents say yeah y'all can go outside and go for a walk you have to be on your p's and q's especially if you are working with a child who has elopement behavior you have to be able to understand the precursory behavior to know like okay they're about to try to run so that you can be in place to either run alongside them but make sure they're not getting hurt like make sure they're not running into the road or whatever girl girl you talk about somebody nose will be toe up from the flow up but i would do my job <laughs> like and and those are those are scary experiences to have when you are dealing with a child and also dealing with a child that may be nonverbal or may not be able to fully comprehend and understand certain situations or even word phrases that you're using it you it makes you get real creative with your work and in dealing and working in that type of field that is a certain level of patience that you have to have because there is literally no instant gratification to ABA therapy it just isn't sometimes there are regressions so you can be doing really well completing tasks and it could be like a low trend so a high trend means behaviors aggressive behaviors or elopement behaviors pike behaviors whatever the adverse behaviors are increasing a low trend means that they are decreasing so you can go from having a low trend of behaviors and completing tasks well to all of a sudden out of nowhere there's a regression so you're not being able to complete tasks efficiently because it's like they kind of don't remember or you are experiencing a lot of like aggressive behaviors elopement behaviors pike behaviors whatever so there is no instant gratification and it takes time like they, they are literally learning so you have to be patient with them you can't get frustrated because they keep getting the answer wrong you got to find a more effective way to teach it to them okay they're not learning it this way you need to go to the um, BCBAs and say hey I'm noticing that this is not really working they're not really retaining it let's try can we try this because when you are a behavior therapist you have to go through 40 hours of training and you have to um, shadow and you have to also do like a final exam where you're working with the client 
with um a, another therapist a higher up therapist with you making sure that you're completing everything from the rbt task list so this isn't just like a job where you go through a little bit of training and they just throw you out there no you have to be properly trained in order to work with these individuals so you can go to them and say okay i remember seeing this in my training and i feel like it would be a good method to use an alternative to this method so that they so that they can um better grasp the information you can do things like that because you have that training you have that that knowledge right so yeah that was that was that and um i ended up leaving virginia and i ended up finding a job back in North Carolina that allowed me to do the same thing and I was still working with kids from the ages of um, 6 to 18 however that particular job like I was driving about an hour to only work for like two hours five days a week so I was driving an hour there and I was driving an hour back. So literally the only thing that I was making was gas money. And it was because I only had two clients and one of them wasn't even my client. I was just there because his his aggressive behaviors were so intense and he was a, he was a big kid, he was 18. His aggressive behaviors were so intense, they had to have somebody else sitting in the room to like like be of assistance because when he would go into the aggressive behavior he would strictly for the most part he would like kind of charge at the therapist that he was currently working with and he pulled hair and all like there was literally a, before I left that job it was a situation where he went into an aggressive behavior and I'm talking about he will pull in my hair he will pull in uh, the therapist that he was working with hair like he broke my necklace I rolled my foot it was a whole it, it went down and when I say it went down in that office it went down in that office and if if you've ever been somewhere where they have like they have those kind of like um i guess like heavy metal doors and it has that metal door frame i hit my head on that metal door frame and i ain't gonna lie to you i felt like i had a concussion because i hit my head kind of hard and that's just like that's just how we were tussling with this man in the office <laughs> we was in the tussling we was tussling okay trying to get him to relax and get him off of the other lady and it was it was just it was a lot trying to keep him from um because when he would go into those aggressive behaviors he would try to go for electronics so trying to keep him out of other rooms messing up stuff and messing with the electronics and child it was a lot it was a lot but yeah and that worked I ended up working there let me go back so when I left Charlotte and I went to Virginia I had ended up discussing with my family 
what had taken place in 2017. So the sexual assault that took place in 2017, which was part of the reason why I wanted to move to Virginia. Because around that time that I like was really like dead set on moving, my car had been broken into twice. The first time I went to the office um, and where my car was parked at, there's a camera there. So you can clearly see who it was going through my vehicle, rummaging through my things. And something that I didn't realize until like recently was the fact that around the time that happened is when I had went back up to the Title IX office the second time. So the first time I went up to the Title IX office um, and had the conversation with them about what happened, I had text message proof and all of that. They said that um, an investigator was going to reach out to me and by the end of the week. I didn't hear from them for a whole month and it had already taken a lot of courage for me to even go up there and talk to them after what happened because I felt a lot of shame like I told you the guy that I was with at the time he blamed me for what happened to me so I was just like and I was young and he had been around me at that point for a long time so he had a, a big impression on me so it just yeah it took a lot for me to actually move forward with it so when they gave me the runaround for a month and like took a whole month to get back to me at that point I didn't want to pursue it anymore because I felt defeated so I just left it I just left it alone until 2018 and I am starting to believe the way things happened right I'm starting to believe that the individual that was involved was the person that was rummaging through my stuff because we lived in the same apartment complex i had run into him after the incident i had run into him in the elevator like you feel me <laughs> so yeah i didn't want to be there no more that was just a, a very uncomfortable situation for me and then for the apartment complex to act like they was going to do something about it they were supposed to be looking into the cameras and stuff but then when it happens the second time and I go talk to the same person that I talked to the first time he acts like he has no idea what I'm talking about like he act like he completely had no idea what I was talking about so it was like yeah at that point um the apartment complex is not going to do nothing I called the police the police couldn't really do nothing um yeah i just at that point i was just ready to go and so i withdrew from the university and i wanted to just take some time to get my mind together because i knew i wasn't in a place to do well in school i could not focus but i received a lot of pressure from other individuals to find some type of way to like go to school somewhere whether it was online or what but you need to go back to school no you don't need to take a break you need to just go ahead and finish it and i'm like bro what you talking about but i allowed i allowed that outside influence and that outside pressure to um to overwhelm me and to just like go against my better judgment and my intuition and so i enrolled in an online school now i did not do well because my focus just wasn't there i was dealing with some heavy stuff and i was also in a toxic relationship and living with that person so it was 
I didn't do well. I didn't. And I was, and then it just it just further added onto the disappointment and shame that I already held within myself because I, like I said, had always been the the A on the road, B on the road student, like principals list, like that. That was just what I was accustomed to. So when I wasn't excelling at the capacity that I felt I should, it just weighed on me heavier along with everything else that was going on. So, I go back home from Virginia. I go to North Carolina. I was working at as a behavior therapist, and then I left there because they it just wasn't the amount of time that I was spending on the road and the amount of time that I was spending with clients. It just wasn't adding up for me to be driving as far as I was driving. So that was cut, and um. Then I started working at a psychiatric treatment facility. So, um, I was at this point, I was working with children who had a range of disorders that were in alignment with the DSM 5, which I was already working with children that, you know, had disorders in alignment with the DSM-5, but in a different capacity. There, I was providing therapy. Here, I was pretty much like a prison guard. <laughs> and it sounds crazy because these children were literally 6 to 18 years old and I was working with the little kids um, but yeah we were pretty much prison guards whenever the kids had, um, had to talk on the phone like they were calling their parents or something we had to stand right there and monitor the phone call um, they were locked onto a unit that we had to use our badge to get on and off of the kids had to walk in a straight line everywhere they went they weren't allowed to touch the walls or nothing like that um we had to check their rooms and stuff periodically to make sure that they weren't stashing pills or like weapons or stuff like that um yeah it was it was literally prison for children it was horrible I didn't like the way some of the staff talked to the kids. Like, you can tell that they were not there to help the children. That they were just there to get their check. And they probably didn't like kids anyway. So, they would just, like, really talk to the kids any kind of way. Mistreat them. And what I learned is that... What I learned from working with children is that... Children can tell when you're not genuine. And when they sense that you're not genuine, they're going to give you hell because they know that you don't care about them. They know that you only here for a check. And especially children who have been through a multitude of traumatic experiences, they become very hyper aware and hyper vigilant to their environment. So they know how to pick up on when somebody don't mean them no good. And the only reason why they know how to pick up on that is because they have had many instances where someone didn't mean them any good. It was learned, lived, experienced. So, I never really had problems, for real, with the kids that I worked with because I was genuinely there to help them. Like, I wasn't there to treat them like a criminal or treat them like they were crazy. No, I was there to try to help them and to understand them. And I don't know how many people actually did this when they um, 
when they started working there but they recommend that you read through the kids charts and so i made it my business to go and read through the children's charts so that i can have a better understanding of why they're here um and what happened to them what traumas did they experience that developed into this particular disorder um and landed them here i worked at two different psychiatric treatment facilities um one of them i worked at like i said in 2018 and the other one i worked at in 2020 now the one that i worked at in 2018 was short-lived because they were horrible they were just they were terrible people out there um and i actually ended up doing some research on psychiatric treatment facilities and they are horrendous matter of fact one of the places that i worked at was in an article which was like an expose article of the conditions and the treatment of children in psychiatric treatment facilities so that was like that wasn't it was shocking but i wasn't like shock shock because i worked there so i knew how horrendous the conditions was like how they treated the children and really when these kids go to these psychiatric treatment facilities it is more is adding more trauma to the trauma that they have already experienced a lot of these psychiatric treatment facilities they have high turnover rates so it's always different people different staff coming in and out of there these children are seeing um some of these staff members abuse these kids neglect these kids like not just physical abuse but there's verbal abuse emotional abuse some people that be working at these facilities be trying to mess with these kids and it's just like how did you even get a job here like did they not vet you like they didn't did they not watch you close enough like it'd it be it's crazy stuff that happens to these kids who are already traumatized and i honestly feel like it's because a lot of the facilities that I worked in were predominantly black children. So it was predominantly boys, but it was also predominantly black. And some of these kids ended, not all of them, because some of them were like admitted by their parents, but a decent, I would say most of these kids were there because it was either they go to juvie or they go to a psychiatric treatment facility because they have done so much stuff at that point they they didn't have a choice and also some of these kids were also foster kids so they didn't stay with their mamas or their daddies or their grandmas or their aunties they was just straight up foster kids some of them did they were they were like a part of the foster system but they also stayed with like they're maybe grandmother or auntie or whatever but yeah a lot of them were in the foster system and so it's like they were already kind of forgotten about kids and so the mistreatment of them it just flies under the radar so i worked there and then I left there because of ABS and I ended up working for um, an after school program. And this after school program, it didn't have like a mental health focus 
or anything like that but I do think it was to provide a resource for families um, who did not have after-school care for their children they were able to get their schoolwork done they had like little programs and stuff um, it was a stem focused after-school program so they did like different little science projects and stuff it was really it was really nice and it was black owned um, black 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 owned black funded black started and it was predominantly black kids in the program so it was that was amazing um but by that time I was pregnant so I found out I was pregnant with my daughter in either the very end of December or the beginning of January of 2019 so I ended up I was working there at the after-school program, and then I was also working on the weekends at a, um, like a weathered weather station, I warned place, so pretty much I was sending out, like, tornado alerts and transcribing voicemails and stuff to, uh, different like hospitals pagers and stuff I don't, I don't know how to really describe it but essentially I was a typist and a, a transcriptionist to put it simple so I was working both of those jobs and then I decided that I wanted to work from home so I could have like a more restful pregnancy and so I ended up doing customer service which ended up turning into email support so I went from working on the phones to just doing emails sending out customer support emails for a company and I worked there um, from I believe May of 2019 to January of 2020 in February of 2020 is when I started working at the other psychiatric treatment facility and I can say that that facility was better than the first facility that I worked at um I feel like they I feel like at least the supervisors cared about the kids more um and I'm not gonna say all of the supervisor but my my supervisor in particular I feel like he really cared about the kids and like actually being there for the kids and helping the kids while they're having to stay at this place so that was um it was an amazing experience however it was also a very difficult experience for me because at that point I was postpartum with my daughter and when after I had her I was working full-time from home doing email support and so being that I was the only person that was like home during the day even though I was working I was the primary person taking care of my daughter all day and I was breastfeeding at the time as well so I was literally working on my laptop and taking care of my baby I had been in meetings with her and like I was doing I was doing trainings and stuff with her and trying to trying to make sure she didn't make too much noise in the background so they didn't hear her and it was it was it was a lot it was a lot and then when I was working at the um, psychiatric treatment facility I was I had went back to school so I had went back to the community college back home because I wanted to get my associates at least so I was in the process of doing that 
but postpartum was really just taking a toll on me i had did i like before i had my daughter i was smart about the whole thing i had already started working on short-term disability with my job and i had went ahead and did um all of my coursework up until a certain point because I knew that I was going to be like giving birth and I needed to give myself time to recover before I started back doing schoolwork and like I feel like I did everything I was supposed to do I went to my prenatal classes and everything but when I say it was a shit show baby it was my job f me over with my short-term disability like I literally had gotten started on that not too long after I had gotten hired so it was no reason that things fell through the way that they fell through like it's there was no reason that should have happened so the whole time that I was out with my daughter whereas I was thinking that I was going to be getting paid because I did everything that I was supposed to do on my end I didn't even end up getting paid for that time so the amount of time that I had planned to take off of work to be with my daughter I had to cut that short because I needed money I needed income so that was stressful and then being a new mom is already stressful within itself and then I started working at the psychiatric treatment facility I was working 12 hour shifts and I was working night shift so I would go in at 5 30 um I would go in at like yeah 5 30 and I would get off at 5 30 12 hour shift and when I got off I would go home and have to be up with my daughter until she decided to take a nap so I was exhausted I wasn't really getting no sleep I wasn't really getting no rest um I'm a new mom I'm supposed to be breastfeeding, but that got cut short because I just I couldn't. It was it was too much for me. Like trying to breastfeed and work full time and all that. It was just a lot for me. It was taking a toll. So I discontinued that, switched over to formula, and my mental health was just really declining. Like although I was working in a mental health space my mental health was just it was just really declining so I ended up leaving that job because I I could not deal with everything that can't comes with working in a psychiatric treatment facility with kids so kids breaking off the unit or breaking out of the houses up front and coming to the back and we got to go in the room and shut the doors and it, it's a whole lot it, it's a whole lot a whole lot of kids want to put their hands on you because they mad that you told them they couldn't do x y and z which was logical sense whatever it was just a lot it was a lot it was and with how fragile my mental state was i couldn't deal with it so i had to leave there and 2020 was the worst year for me mentally like but it was it was like it was a long time coming because it had already started prior to me getting pregnant with my daughter. And then it's like it paused during my pregnancy and then it came back with with all kinds of strength after giving birth. So I stopped 
like participating in my classes I stopped working at the psychiatric treatment facility I decided that I was going to work from home again and so I started working for Amazon I probably worked that job for three months or less I'm gonna say or less maybe a month oh no but I just know it was really short-lived because I just couldn't I couldn't do it I could not do it I could not focus I just I didn't want to be here anymore I was having uh, emotional outbursts like really volatile emotional outbursts like I was losing it I was I was not having a good time so I ended up uh, job searching because I was out of a job for like a few months and I ended up job searching and I came across my most recent job um, as a community inclusion specialist and it's crazy because around the time that I came across that job I was thinking to myself like I'm gonna have to create my own path because what I truly want to do there is no there's no job for that like I'm not seeing a job for advocating for um, individuals that struggle with mental health as well as um, underprivileged and impoverished individuals like I'm not really seeing a job that's really dedicated to that that doesn't require a bachelor's degree but then I came across I came across my job and it was literally when I say it was exactly what I was looking for and exactly what I was asking for it was exactly that and when I applied to the job like I didn't feel like they would call me back like I didn't feel like I was qualified enough for the position but I did it anyways I applied anyways and my interview went so good like I ended up crying on my interview because I was really like I was still it was this was all the same year this was all 2020 so I was still very much so mentally fragile in a sense however that interview went so good and I ended up getting a job and I ended up working there for almost two years and what I did in that position was um, as a community inclusion specialist in my particular department I worked with individuals who were transitioning from either mental institutions um, family care homes or assisted living facilities and I assisted them with reacclimating back to the community. And so what does that mean, reacclimating back to the community? That means helping them find community resources. So, okay, if they don't have transportation, they don't have a car, okay, I'm going to help you get in touch with the local public transit. And because you have a disability, you will, you will be able to apply for this particular program where you get to ride at a reduced cost. Not only that, um, if you do not yet have Medicaid or you do not yet have disability but you want to apply, I will assist you with that. Um, if you do not know how to cook, then okay, we're going we're gonna to work on cooking. So we're going to cook simple things starting off like spaghetti or something like that. If you want to go back to school, I will assist you with trying to find a low-cost laptop 
different things of that nature like that's that's what my job consisted of so i was i was literally working in the community i was doing community work to help keep the recidivism rate of individuals returning to assistant living facilities and family care homes and mental institutions because they have no resources keeping that rate down because that particular program that I was in was the result of a state lawsuit because they were not providing proper resources for individuals that were trying to transition back into the community so the rates of them coming back to these institutions was crazy high and let's be freaking for real psychiatric treatment facilities mental health institutions assisted living facilities family care homes like depending on depending on who's in there who's running it they suck they suck there are some assisted living facilities that will take the whole bulk of somebody's social security check but the conditions that they're living in is not worth the money that they they taking from them it be all kinds of mistreatment happening to these individuals like they will literally you could you could be in there trying to because not only did i work with individuals that had already transitioned out of these facilities i was also working with individuals who were trying to transition out like in the process of transitioning out and some of those people that worked at those family care homes and stuff they would they will try to break the individual's confidence in their ability to live on their own because if they leave that's one less check that they bringing in horrible people horrible 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 people and you would be surprised well i don't even well some people may be surprised at how these individuals are taken advantage of by other people that are literally paid to help them I work for a nonprofit organization, so they don't pay us to work with them. Like these these individuals are not paying us. This service is free to them. The state pays us or we get funding from other like entities. But these these individuals, they don't have to come out of pocket for our services. And I feel like and we've had this discussion before um, as an organization, but I feel like the fact that it is a, a a a pay pay fee for service or a fee for service um type of institution it makes them more likely to do things for the check it makes them more likely to do things for the money instead of the benefit of the person because your check is directly affected by um this individual staying and y'all receiving pretty much the bulk of their social security check that's how y'all get paid so that's where the focus goes which is a part of the reason why like this is my first time ever working for a nonprofit organization but this organization when i say it is the best job that i've ever had in my whole entire life i mean that from the staff to the executive director like 
the community the family the support like how they how we advocate for one another it is literally amazing how we are all on one accord with helping the people that we serve it is um like it's amazing i have never <laughs> i have never experienced a job like this but all all my whole story right it's been some ups and downs some peaks and valleys everything hasn't been picturesque or picture perfect however it was necessary everything happened the way it happened for a reason the part of the reason why they hired me is because of my experience in working in psychiatric treatment facilities and because of my experience working in after-school programs teaching social and emotional skills and because of my experience working with children on the autism spectrum as well as with children who have related disorders all of this experience even though it seemed well not even seem like i kind of job hopped a lot i gained a lot of experience from the work that I was doing that made me qualify for this position and now I have the opportunity to work with these individuals again because I left this job back in September of 2022 so I have been gone a full eight months before I decided to reach back out to them to see if they had positions available and just so happened, I reached out at the perfect time and they told me that they would love to have me back. That was a testament to me being on track to my purpose. Eight months. I hadn't talked to them since I left. Eight months. Eight months had gone by and they still believed in me so strongly. They still value me so much that eight months was nothing they didn't care like yeah come back we want you back we love you we support you we are here for you you've done amazing work and we want you to continue like that's a that's a blessing that's a blessing and don't get me wrong these eight months was was difficult however i learned a lot it built a resiliency and it built a skill set in me these past eight months I recognized that I was experiencing extreme burnout because listen to what I just told y'all I started this this particular job my most recent job in November of 2020 my mental health sucked I was a new mom um I was battling with depression and suicide ideations and suicidal thoughts like all of this was going on when I got this job and in this job I am working with individuals who have DSM-5 congruent diagnoses assisting them with reacclimating back to the community and there's certain things that come with that just like you know there's certain things with working with kids in a psychiatric treatment facility there are certain things that of that there are certain things that come with working with individuals who are experiencing pervasive mental disorders like i had a client who had um paranoid schizophrenia and we actually end up having like a little tiff because his symptoms were progressing in that moment and so it made him very distrustful he was triggered and so it it sparked his distrust and it turned into a whole thing so 
yeah it's a it was i was burnt out because not only was i having to show empathy in my job i was also showing empathy in my personal life and it's like i was showing empathy everywhere but, but except for with myself so i was led to leave my job and i was led to pursue entrepreneurship and to share my voice and to share my story to share the things that i have learned the things that i have researched things that i feel like would be helpful to other people that's when all of that started and it's in alignment with my purpose because when i was younger if you if you grow up in of christian belief christian faith um you know you will have church and sometimes they may have a prophet come preach right he's a preacher but he's also or she's also a prophet i have been prophesied on a multitude of times and i have had a multitude of spiritual experiences throughout my life and every single one of those times it had something to do with me leading and guiding others and teaching others and so my heart's desire is always to help or has always been to help other people or to be of service of other people that has always been my heart's desire even with forensic science like it was it was a desire to help so in every job that i've worked in from customer service to mental health and social services i have always been helping someone my focus has always been turned outward and this eight month stint was my season to turn and focus all that help inward to be of service to myself and to follow my heart's desire in a way that was also for my benefit and not just the benefit of others something in a way that would bring me joy um in a way that i could express my passion and still help and still teach and so that eight month stint was me cultivating that way and learning new skills and as i stated building resiliency but with all that being said that that was the path to my purpose those are all the situations and circumstances and not all of them that was just a brief overview that led me to where i am now I still plan to finish my degree. I want to be a doctor of psychology. I want to have a PsyD. Okay? That is still the end goal. However, what I recognize is, or what I have learned over time is, that a degree don't make you. It. It helps. However, a degree don't make you. It just don't. Your combination of life experience career experience and educational experience is what shapes you 
however that degree don't make you for me to be able to get my first salary position with a high school diploma and it and it be in the field that I long to be a part of but was struggling with the school front because of all the different experiences that I had experienced that was a blessing that was a blessing that was alignment that was me being in the right place at the right time and didn't even know it because I chose to try to persevere in spite of everything that I was experiencing in spite of the fact that I did not want to be here no more I had to find a way through and it was hard it was difficult and it was a lot of necessary lessons that I had to learn along the way and sometimes I didn't learn the lesson on the first time sometimes I had to get smacked around a couple of times before it actually settled in my spirit like okay wake up wake up open your eyes and see this for exactly what it is but all of that was necessary along along the path of my purpose I I chose a path of most resistance because there was a lot that I needed to learn I had always been book smart but when it came to like being street smart I lacked in that area so I had to gain some some street smartness so that I could be well-rounded and not just strictly logical thinking because in logical thinking you think in certain situations like okay I wouldn't do this to such and such so such and such ain't gonna do this to me that's not logical it's not because just because somebody you wouldn't do something to somebody doesn't mean they won't do it to you logical thinking is not always helpful it has to be a balance and I had to learn that balance But I say all that to say, when you, when you know what your purpose is, or you have a heart's desire, right? You may not know exactly what it is that you're supposed to be doing, but you know the core of it. Like the core of it for me was to help other people. And then you start going into the many different avenues that you can help someone until you find the one that is in alignment with you, right? When you are on your path to your purpose, it's not going to always be easy. It's not. And there will be certain situations and circumstances that you have to endure so that you can gain a necessary skill set or the necessary resiliency that is required of you for your purpose. Do not allow it to discourage you from doing what it is that you want to do. Yes, you want to live in a space of ease and calm and peace, right? However, sometimes your purpose, the purpose that you are called for will require you to go through turbulence or obstacles. 
because for me personally it's just like okay I wouldn't really be able to speak to the effects of mental health and the effects of substance abuse the effects of trauma and all of these things if I had not had lived experience it's one thing to know something um like intellectually it's one thing to intellectually know something it's another thing to witness or experience it in real time when you add in your real-time experience or witnessing of said event trauma whatever and you also couple that with research it adds more validity to what you're saying so now i'm not just speaking to you intellectually i'm speaking to you as a as a a human with lived experience who just also happens to know the the science behind it or the research behind it and how the lived experience correlates and can explain to you how the lived experience correlates with the research I am so grateful for my paths to my purpose I am grateful for the lessons that I've learned along the way and I hope that I can be a source of encouragement for others to know that it may seem like you don't know where you're going it may seem like you don't know what your purpose is it may seem like things are not going as planned and it's probably because they're not everything doesn't go as you plan it because sometimes your plans are not the best plans sometimes you you learn more and you gain more by going through certain experiences and it helps to solidify your stance on your purpose so yeah I'm glad I was able to share uh, that little story time with you all. And this is going to actually be a longer episode than what I typically do. However, I like it like that. I, I like being able to sit here and just like have a conversation. Like I'm talking to my homegirl and my homeboy. Like, yeah, this is what I've experienced and this is what I've learned. And this is how I know that there are paths to your purpose and it may not always make sense life doesn't always make sense however everything happens for a reason everything happens how it's supposed to happen just gotta find the lesson and the blessing in it And you just have to continue to build your resiliency. Because when you build your resiliency, it doesn't mean that you are no longer affected by the things that happen. It means that your ability to recover is a lot quicker. So you're not feeling bad for days upon days or weeks upon weeks about a situation that occurred. Yo, 
snapback time is faster because you have built your resiliency and you have also built your resources and your tools to be able to handle such situations as they arise along your path to your purpose but yeah I'm so excited for y'all to hear this episode I hope that it is very insightful I hope that it is encouraging um I hope that you feel seen because I know that my experience is my experience is unique to me however there are similarities to others right traumas and things of that nature setbacks and all of that so I really really hope that you all enjoy and I hope that you all have an amazingly wonderful day or an amazingly wonderful week whenever you listen to this sending you much love light peace and healing Ashe. Mm-hmm.